Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. This is Pete Becky, and I want to thank you for joining us for Reconciling Grace. Today I'm joined in studio by Mick Wells and remotely by Pastor Mac, P-Mac, Don McDonald. And Pastor Mac, Don, whom I have known for many years, and he might allude to this in a little bit, um, we're going to be getting to hear a little bit more about his testimony, what brought him to Jesus Christ, the background of his life, things like that. And so, Don, what I'm going to do right now is just turn it over to you and let you know what a joy it is to have you here with us, to have you participating in Reconciling Grace. And we just like to have our listeners get a little bit of a chance to get to know you and what brought you to the Lord and what kinds of things shaped you. So from here, my friend, I'm just going to turn it over to you for the moment. Well, thank you very much, Pete. And hello, Mick. Good to see hey, you as Don. well in the room. Great to see you, Good too. Good to see you. I, I was sort of just sorting out the pieces of my personal testimony. And in a lot of ways, I just didn't know where to begin. You know, I was thinking about the Philippians 4.13 text. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And yet, as I was looking through this, my life's had many Fort Knox's moments, you know, and I keep always going back to Genesis 15, 20, where it says, you intended to harm me. And Joseph's talking to his brothers as they've come into the throne room, not knowing it's Joseph, and says, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And uh, I find myself really being that the theme uh, my testimony, because over the years, I've just yielded to the Father. I, I've given myself to the Father, even no matter how dark the times were. And I must admit, a lot of that has been shaped by my grandfather, who was from Scotland. And he fought World War One, and he uh, witnessed a lot of death. 500 of his soldiers went in, and only five came back, and he was one of five. Hmm. And as I say that, the thing that really comes to my mind that even in all that evil, even in World War I evil, he always found ways to find the goodness of God. He always believed that he had a father in Scotland on his knees praying to protect him. So from a very beginning of my life, my grandfather instilled me, even if it gets super dark out, God is still there in the darkness. He is still moving. And for me, how did that shape me? Well, my childhood was marked with a lot of very difficult times. I'm a child of divorce. I'm a child of an alcoholic. And with those two things in mind, it, it just really shaped how I needed to trust the Father in heaven in all things. And the divorce in particular was difficult because my father in particular wanted all of us kids. There were four of us, two boys and two girls. And um, when the divorce came down, my mother was fighting alcohol, alcoholism pretty bad. And for about a year and a half, the divorce went on and it went on and it was contested. And what finally happened is my mother won my sisters 
and my father won us boys. My dad was the first one to do Page County uh, to win full custody of children. And so we always felt that pressure of we were the ones that were the example of why fathers could raise children. And so it was hard. It was a difficult time. And the other part of the difficult time after the divorce was I never saw my mom again after that. As a matter of fact, she just recently passed away about three, four months ago. And my middle sister, I never saw again either. So we dealt with a lot of dark times and just seeing God caring for us and watching over us. Yeah. Doc, the, how old were you about when that divorce happened? I was nine and uh, my younger brother was four. So, you know, four and nine's a wee bit young yeah. to, to be without a mom. And uh, it, it was, it was, I was lucky to have my grandparents because they raised us along with my dad at that point. Um, so lucky, yeah, we yeah, were, lucky or blessed, right? More towards blessed, really. Right, You're right. right, Pete. More towards blessed. The problem was, um, as part of the divorce, it was in the turbulent 60s, and uh, 1960s, we should say. And so the church we attended uh, bought into a lot of theology that just wasn't good for marriages. As a matter of fact, as the time went on, 50% of the marriages in this particular church um, ended in divorces. And so by the time my dad finished with uh, the divorce and losing his family and losing his house and losing everything, basically, he stopped attending church. And we ended up living with my grandparents for a while. And uh, one of the things you're taught very early as a lad is that uh, the Scotch and the Scotch tradition, you know who the head of the clan was. And my grandfather was the head of the clan and he had the coldest blue crystal eyes possible. And one Sunday morning, I noticed we weren't going to church and he looked at us boys and he looked at his son and he says, listen, I'm speaking as the head of Clan McDonald. Those boys need to be in church. And you didn't argue with Pa. He was so intense in his personality. Uh, you just didn't want to run him over. And so the next thing I know, um, through a series of events, we ended up at Christ Church of Oak Brook in Oak Brook, Illinois. And what was unique about Christ Church that shapes me, I could have gone on total different tangent of this personal testimony, but I won't go down that one at this time, was Christ Church of Oak Brook was non-denominational. So the preaching pastor was Christian Reformed, and the youth pastor, um, he was Baptist. So I'm a Reformed Baptist to this day, is the way I put it. Um, and for me, Christchurch was the place where I learned I could trust the church again. For me, Christchurch was a place where people were willing to step up for us and care for us as broken vessels needing God's grace. And... Uh, Broken vessels is what we were, and just how God just sort of shaped the moments. Now, I'm not going to say that our experience at Christ Church was perfect, being that we were the first generation of divorce going through. We sort of had that mark on us of, you know, you're, you're divorced kids. And, and we did experience some rejection in that setting. And yet, as we 
talk about that rejection, God's grace was there, still there, and there were enough people around us to, as it were, stop that feeling of rejection along the way. Um, so yet, as I'm saying all this, I found myself saying, okay, God, why me? You know, why don't I have the perfect life? Um, why did I have to be exposed to alcohol addiction? That really hurt me. Um, Lord, why divorce? Why something that made me feel like a second class in the church? Um, and with all that said, um, when I hit about eighth grade, I had a youth pastor that presented the gospel to our junior high youth group. And he said something that really, really, really penetrated me. He says, you know, y'all are going through many tough things right now in life that could have been seen as evil or even bad. But did you know that God can still use evil for something good if you let him? And Jesus is there and you can turn all these evil things to a greater good and that that greater good Jesus can use to change people's lives. And he said, but where do you begin? You begin by giving your life over to Jesus to make that happen. And I just found myself really thinking about that. That night I didn't give my, my life to Jesus, but it began me thinking just about my life and everything I have fought for and everything that I was trying to get an understanding of how God was moving in my life. And of course, I always thought about my grandfather and how he saw bad and how God could use it for good. And um, just that grace that was there. And later on in that month, um, Dr. DeCryder was flying to the Netherlands. And lo and behold, in all of God's sovereignty, he ended up sitting next to Corey Ten Boom. And through a series of events, as he was talking to Corey Tamboon, he says, you know, I have this church in Christ Church of Oak Brook, and it's a rather decent-sized church in terms of membership, and I would love to have you come and just give your testimony. I must have been about 12 at the time. I can still hear her broken Dutch accent. I can still hear her reaching out to the congregation and talking about all the atrocities of the concentration camp and how she related it to her faith walk. And as I was listening to her and all the atrocities and all the evil she had experienced in the concentration camp, she kept saying, God is moving and God is touching people's lives from such a dark time of her life. And in that moment, I found myself really starting to think more and more about Jesus. And so for me, as, as you can tell, it, it was a process of growing little and little, little steps by little steps into discovering who Jesus is. And and Pete, did you ever listen to Moody Bible uh, radio at all growing up? No, I didn't. Um, I think that if, if anybody's heard my testimony in the back, uh, in the past, I should say, I really didn't have any kind of church background, um, even though you and I got to know each other when we were, what, ninth grade, I think it was. Um, I really had no church background other than kind of on again, off again, 
Catholic background, and we really didn't listen to any kind of uh, Christian broadcasting of anything. Well, I grew up around uh, Moody Radio because my dad, he, he used to always have it on in the background. And so I sort of introduced to it. And I always had a habit when I was in middle school uh, of listening to uh, Night Watch with Bill Pierce. And he was a recovered alcoholic. He was a jazz musician. And he used to just play the sweetest, sweetest trombone trumpet combo and just talk about Jesus Christ. And one night he just shared with his audience what it was like to uh, be a recovering alcoholic and trying to rebuild his life. And he spent time just talking about his faith in Jesus Christ. And as he talked about that, he talked about his need for his family to uh, believe in him once more and how he let God take a hold of all that and work the evil so it turned around for good. And he just really started to share his heart. And that night between the youth pastor and Corey Temboom. And Bill Pierce, I found myself starting to give my life totally over to Jesus Christ. Well, that's a wonderful uh, testimony how the Lord didn't do it all at one time, but uh, bit by bit by bit, and, and you eventually got to where he wanted you to be. And right now we need to take a quick break for our sponsor, so we'll be right back with Reconciling Grace. We're back with Reconciling Grace, and we are hearing from Pastor Mac, Don McDonald, about his personal testimony. And right as we were going into the break, he had just talked about how he had given his life to Jesus Christ. And then during the break, um, Mick said that he had something he'd like to ask Don. So Mick, why don't you go ahead and ask what you wanted to ask? Yes, uh, Don, I've really enjoyed your testimony, and I... uh coming from such a troubled background it wasn't just you it was siblings too and I know you've been a pastor for decades I was wondering if you could share with us where your siblings stand with the Lord and how the Lord has used you uh, to perhaps bring them to his side um, my siblings overall um my eldest sister's in the great state of Indiana, and is she a believer? Yes. Is she in the life of the church? No. But she definitely, last time we talked, uh, was feeling the presence of Jesus and taking that journey. And my middle sister is somewhere in the streets of San Francisco. Um, I've been told at one time she had passed away, so we're not sure where my middle sister is at all. Uh, my youngest brother is out in the great state of New Hampshire, very much a believer in Christ. Um, attending church, no. Um, dealing with an extremely debilitating disease, yes. He's lost all use of his body and is struggling. But every time I finish a telephone call with him, the call is simple. God is good. And so my siblings are, as you can tell, sort of all over the place on that front. Any other question? No, I think I have known you for a while. And honestly, it's kind of interesting because you're sharing things here that uh, that I haven't known uh, before this. But uh, 
I'd like to just have you continue on what happened after you gave your life to the Lord. I know what it was. I came into it. <laughs> it's true. We sat on the radiator together in LTHS as high schoolers, freshman year. And ironically, uh, Pete and I talked a lot about life. And uh, I, I just found that the the two of us together just shared an incredible journey. Uh, am I right, Pete? Well, yeah. I mean, one of the things was um, you were dealing with a family that was divorced. I was dealing with a family that probably should have been divorced and wasn't. Uh, and I don't say that in a in a lighthearted way. Uh, my mom had filed divorce papers or had an attorney on the case literally from the time I was in eighth grade. And I think she finally had the papers served on my dad uh, when I got to college. So for those years when you and I first met, it was a very turbulent time in my life. And um, I think you were maybe coming out of those turbulence as I was kind of coming into them. And, and I think that's why I found myself sharing Jesus with you, Pete. You know, I, I was part of that beginning journey. I know I was keenly aware of that. And it began because of how I came to Christ. And the call was clear to present Jesus everywhere you could. And my family was that way, too. My dad very much so. And so I, I started to realize in, the, in that journey that not to be afraid of dark times. In fact, James 1 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Um, I, I found myself just starting to realize that God does use dark times to create moments of ministry. Um, Pete and I, we go back quite a while, really, and it actually, our friendship started in Pete's dark time. And that was because I began to realize that in trials, when you consider it the joy of Jesus, you can help people through their dark times, through the Holy Spirit, to see that their struggles are actually pointing them to Christ. And I began to realize that more and more in my life. Um, and, and Mick, I, I know when I listened to your testimony, wasn't that some of your experience too? Well, in, indeed, because uh, the Lord is the Lord of our lives through the the high and low points of our life, and and it makes a lot of sense when you can look back at what happened. It was it was extremely painful at the time, but as you started out the session tonight, that the the Lord intended it for good, and so we learn from the good and the bad experiences. The Lord promises that if we're called according to His purposes and that we love Him, that He's using all situations. Uh, for our good, and, and I agree with you, Don. 
And, and I think when I began to go into ministry, especially youth ministry, I, I found myself helping, helping troubled youth. And I began to see how deep and agonizing their pain was in life. I had a couple of youth in the Chicago area that were dealing with parents being emotionally abusive to them. And we spent a lot of time on how God, in the long run, can use that evil for good. And so my hallmark of ministry really began to, as it were, emanate, breathe into people where they were struggling great atrocities and evil and saying, we're here to show you that God's goodness is still to be experienced. Um, anyone have any questions for me on that part at all? Well, I, I just want to make one bit of clarification, and um, maybe it's just because you and I haven't really, we haven't talked about this at all when uh, we were talking about you doing your testimony. Right. And uh, it's really interesting to understand different people's perspectives of the same thing, um, because as I remember our friendship when we first met, I mean, I, I remember first meeting you in Freshman Boys Chorus, and we could start singing a couple of those songs if we wanted to, but we won't right now. Um, but, uh, but, uh, honestly, our friendship developed and it was such a thing where we really never overtly talked about Jesus, but I think your actions, your, you know, just your personality, the way we, we just got along, it just was something where we could see the light of Jesus, even though we maybe didn't uh, talk about it, um, openly. And then there were a few times as our as our um, friendship developed where we did start talking more about that uh, as time went on. And, and I, it, you're right, Pete. It, it was a process because I wasn't like out there presenting the gospel in high school, but it was more like, how am I showing Jesus and my actions and my attitude? Because I was at times shy. And so I, I tended to try to stay to myself, especially during my high school years. So I very much agree um, on that thought, Pete. Um, and I, I guess, you know, sort of putting together all this is, is I strive to sort of end this uh, testimony. Um, I find myself always convicted to say I consider it pure joy to face these trials because in those trials, I've learned what it is to persevere with Jesus Christ is driven by the Holy Spirit. And um, over the years of ministry here at Danforth, which is some 26 years, I've had people use me as their spiritual coach, as it were. And I, I taught them what it is to persevere through the evil and the bad times and to see Jesus more clearly. Um, and that takes time. It really takes time to experience, you know, who Jesus is in the darkness and how to bring people out of the darkness into the light. And my whole life really has been that experience. Um, the other thing that came to mind is I always pray, you know, that God will use me in and through Jesus Christ as convicted by the Holy Spirit to open doors wide to the reality that the evil they are facing and that God can use that for good and that the trials that are before them consider them pure joy in terms of who um, Jesus can be 
in that journey and how Jesus can open wide the doors that God loves you enough to give you the trials to grow into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And uh, I've been marveling over that because one of the questions that I remember asking in adult Sunday school class uh, here at Danforth is, you know, who are we as a church? And uh, one of my deacons spoke up and said, well, that's simple, P-Mac. I said, what's that? We are the island of misfit toys. <laughs> and that's a good legacy to leave behind, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Right? We, we work with those who are searching. We work with those who are struggling. And we love you for who you are. But we want you to know and grow into Jesus. Um, any other thoughts as we get towards the end of this program yeah don um you know i'm sure that your your family your children are more aware than we are of of uh the challenges that you faced in life and and can appreciate uh what the lord has brought you through and i was just wondering if you could share how or if or how you've uh, been able to pass the faith along to the next generation It was sort of funny because one night, um, Mick, my three children were together and we were just sitting around and talking about life and faith development actually came up. And really, my all three of my children almost said in surround sound, you know, in spite of your journey, you have somehow managed to shape our lives to see Jesus more clearly. Oh, wonderful. Uh, my eldest my eldest daughter is involved in counseling, uh, working with kids predominantly. My middle child is dealing with some issues of mental health, but very much in Christ. Uh, presently, he's not attending church, but just started trying to get his life together. My youngest one uh, is down at U of I, part of Crew Campus Crusade for Christ, and even got to present the gospel to a Hindu um, on the campus of U- University of Illinois. So we see a lot of strength and life in Christ in my three children, and I am blessed by that. That's wonderful. It's always been interesting to me um, to hear different people's testimonies. And um, one of the hardest things I've always found is that sometimes it's hardest to be an influence for Christ amongst people who you know well. It kind of goes along with something some guy named Jesus said about a prophet never being um, accepted in his own town or among his own relatives. Um, But I I find it a blessing uh, to hear, Don, about your children. I really haven't ever met them for like a long time. I mean, I've met them, I guess. I haven't really known them well. Um, I do think it's interesting that without our consulting each other, each of our three children, you have two boys and a girl, I have two boys and a girl, each of them each has a common name between their their uh, first name and their middle name, and we didn't do that on purpose, but uh, it's interesting the way that the Lord has, um, has brought yours and my life uh, together uh, all these years later. Uh, folks, I want to tell you that Don and I first met in the year 1975, and here we are this many years later and we are still great friends and we minister together and now over the last uh, number of months we have come together in a ministry of reconciling grace radio program 
And Don, I have appreciated everything you've said today. Mick Wells, I appreciate your having been here with us and sharing. To our audience, I do want to thank you for hanging with us today. We have had some technical issues today, especially with the remote uh, access. Sometimes it sounded like Don was speaking slowly or maybe having some um, delays in that in the uh, words. But the truth is, God can use everything, whether it's good or bad. And technology is wonderful, as I like to say, unless it isn't. So for Pete Vecchi and Mick Wells and Don McDonald, we would like to thank everybody here for joining us for today's episode of Reconciling Grace. Lord willing, we'll be back another time. If you have a question you'd like to ask us, send us an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. This has been Reconciling Grace. If you have a comment or a question for our panel, or if you would like to invite one or more of our panelists to share with your church or group, please send an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. And thank you for listening to Reconciling Grace. We're back with Reconciling Grace, and we are hearing from Pastor Mac, Don McDonald, about his personal testimony. And right as we were going into the break, he had just talked about how he had given his life to Jesus Christ. And then during the break, um, Mick said that he had something he'd like to ask Don. So Mick, why don't you go ahead and ask what you wanted to ask? Yes, uh, Don, I've really enjoyed your testimony, and I... uh Coming from such a troubled background, it wasn't just you, it was siblings too. And I know you've been a pastor for decades. I was wondering if you could share with us where your siblings stand with the Lord and how the Lord has used you uh, to perhaps bring them to his side. Um, My siblings overall... um my eldest sister's in the great state of Indiana, and is she a believer? Yes. Is she in the life of the church? No. But she definitely, last time we talked, uh, was feeling the presence of Jesus and taking that journey. And my middle sister is somewhere in the streets of San Francisco. Um, I've been told at one time she had passed away, so we're not sure where my middle sister is at all. Uh, My youngest brother is out in the great state of New Hampshire, very much a believer in Christ. Um, Attending church? No. Um, Dealing with an extremely debilitating disease? Yes. He's lost all use of his body and is struggling. But every time I finish a telephone call with him, the call is simple. God is good. And so my siblings are, as you can tell, sort of all over the place on that front. Any other question? No, I think I have known you for a while. And honestly, it's kind of interesting because you're sharing things here that uh, that I haven't known uh, before this. But uh, I'd like to just have you continue on what happened after you gave your life to the Lord. I know what it was. I came into it. (laughs) It's true. We sat on the radiator together in LTHS as high schoolers, freshman year. 
And ironically, uh, Pete and I talked a lot about life. And uh, I, I just found that the the two of us together just shared an incredible journey. Uh, am I right, Pete? Well, yeah. I mean, one of the things was um, you were dealing with a family that was divorced. I was dealing with a family that probably should have been divorced and wasn't. Uh, and I don't say that in a in a lighthearted way. Uh, my mom had filed divorce papers or had an attorney on the case literally from the time I was in eighth grade. And I think she finally had the papers served on my dad uh, when I got to college. So for those years when you and I first met, it was a very turbulent time in my life. And um, I think you were maybe coming out of those turbulence as I was kind of coming into them. And, and I think that's why I found myself sharing Jesus with you, Pete. You know, I, w I was part of that beginning journey. I know I was keenly aware of that. And it began because of how I came to Christ. And the call was clear to present Jesus everywhere you could. And my family was that way, too. My dad very much so. And so I, I started to realize in, the, in that journey that, not to be afraid of dark times. In fact, James 1 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Um, I, I found myself just starting to realize that God does use dark times to create moments of ministry. Um, Pete and I, we go back quite a while, really, and it actually, our friendship started in Pete's dark time. And that was because I began to realize that in trials, when you consider it the joy of Jesus, you can help people through their dark times, through the Holy Spirit, to see that their struggles are actually pointing them to Christ. And I began to realize that more and more in my life. Um, and, and Mick, I, I know when I listened to your testimony, wasn't that some of your experience too? Well, in, indeed, because uh, the Lord is the Lord of our lives through the the high and low points of our life and and it makes a lot of sense when you can look back at what happened it was it was extremely painful at the time but as you started out the session tonight that the the lord intended it for good and so we learn from the good and the bad experiences the lord promises that if we're called according to his purposes and what we love him that he's using all situations uh, for our good, and, and I agree with you, Don. And, and I think when I began to go into ministry, especially youth ministry, I, I found myself helping, helping troubled youth, and I began to see how deep and agonizing their pain was in life. I had a couple of youth in the Chicago area that were dealing with parents being emotionally abusive to them. And we spent a lot of time on how God in the long run can use that evil for good. And so my hallmark of ministry really began to 
as it were, emanate, breathe into people where they were struggling great atrocities and evil and saying, we're here to show you that God's goodness is still to be experienced. Um, anyone have any questions for me on that part at all? Well, I, I just want to make one bit of clarification and... Um... Maybe it's just because you and I haven't really, we haven't talked about this at all when uh, we were talking about you doing your testimony. Right. And uh, it's really interesting to understand different people's perspectives of the same thing. Um, because as I remember our friendship when we first met, I mean, I, I remember first meeting you in Freshman Boys Chorus, and we could start singing a couple of those songs if we wanted to, but we won't right now. Um, but uh, but uh, honestly, our friendship developed, and it was such a thing where we really never overtly talked about Jesus. But I think your actions, your you know, just your personality, the way we we just got along, it just was something where we could see the light of Jesus, even though we maybe didn't uh, talk about it um, openly. And then there were a few times as our as our um, friendship developed where. We did start talking more about that uh, as time went on. And, and I, it, you're right, Pete. It, it was a process because I wasn't like out there presenting the gospel in high school, but it was more like how am I showing Jesus and my actions and my attitude because I was at times shy. And so I, I tended to try to stay to myself, especially during my high school years. So I very much agree Um on that thought, Pete. Um, and I, I guess, you know, sort of putting together all this is, is I strive to sort of end this uh, testimony. Um, I find myself always convicted to say, I consider it pure joy to face these trials because in those trials, I've learned what it is to persevere with Jesus Christ is driven by the Holy Spirit. And um, over the years of ministry here at Danforth, which is some 26 years, I've had people use me as their spiritual coach, as it were, and I, I taught them what it is to persevere through the evil and the bad times and to see Jesus more clearly. Um, and that takes time. It really takes time to experience, you know, who Jesus is in the darkness and how to bring people out of the darkness into the light. And my whole life really has been that experience. Um, the other thing that came to mind is I always pray, you know, that God will use me in and through Jesus Christ as convicted by the Holy Spirit to open doors wide to the reality that the evil they are facing and that God can use that for good. And that the trials that are before them, consider them pure joy in terms of who um, Jesus can be in that journey and how Jesus can open wide the doors that God loves you enough to give you the trials to grow into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And uh, I, I've been marveling over that because one of the questions that I remember asking in adult Sunday school class uh, here at Danforth is, you know, who are we as a church? And uh, one of my deacons spoke up and said, well, that's simple, P-Mac. I said, what's that? We are the island of misfit toys. <laughs> and 
that's a good legacy to leave behind, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Right. We we work with those who are searching. We work with those who are struggling, and we love you for who you are. But we want you to know and grow into Jesus. Um, any other thoughts as we get towards the end of this program? Yeah, Don. Um, you know, I'm sure that your your family, your children, are more aware than we are of of uh, the challenges that you faced in life and and can appreciate uh, what the Lord has brought you through. And I was just wondering if you could share how or if or how you've uh, been able to pass the faith along to the next generation. It was sort of funny because one night, um, Mick, my three children were together, and we were just sitting around and talking about life, and faith development actually came up. And... Really, my all three of my children almost said in surround sound, you know, in spite of your journey, you have somehow managed to shape our lives to see Jesus more clearly. Oh, wonderful. Uh, my, eldest, my eldest daughter is involved in counseling, uh, working with kids predominantly. My middle child is dealing with some issues of mental health, but very much in Christ. Uh, presently, he's not attending church, but just started trying to get his life together. My youngest one uh, is down at U of I, part of Crew Campus Crusade for Christ, and even got to present the gospel to a Hindu um, on the campus of U- University of Illinois. So we see a lot of strength and life in Christ in my three children, and I am blessed by that. That's wonderful. It's always been interesting to me um, to hear different people's testimonies. And um, one of the hardest things I've always found is that sometimes it's hardest to be an influence for Christ amongst people who you know well. It kind of goes along with something some guy named Jesus said about a prophet never being um, accepted in his own town or among his own relatives. Um, But... I, I find it a blessing uh, to hear, Don, about your children. I really haven't ever met them for a lot, like a long time. I mean, I've met them, I guess. I haven't really known them well. Um, I do think it's interesting that without our consulting each other, each of our three children, you have two boys and a girl, I have two boys and a girl, each of them each has a common name between their their uh, first name and their middle name, and we didn't do that on purpose. But uh, it's interesting the way that the Lord has um, has brought yours and my life uh, together uh, all these years later, uh, folks. I want to tell you that Don and I first met in the year 1975, and here we are this many years later, and we are still great friends, and we minister together. And now, over the last uh, number of months, we have come together in a ministry of Reconciling Grace radio program. And Don, I have appreciated everything you've said today. Mick Wells, I appreciate your having been here with us and sharing. To our audience, I do want to thank you for hanging with us today. We have had some technical issues today, especially with the remote uh, access. Sometimes it sounded like Don was speaking slowly or maybe having some um, delays in in the uh, words. But the truth is, God can use everything, whether it's good or bad. And technology is wonderful, as I like to say, unless it isn't. 
So for Pete Vecchi and Mick Wells and Don McDonald, we would like to thank everybody here for joining us for today's episode of Reconciling Grace. Lord willing, we'll be back another time. If you have a question you'd like to ask us, send us an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. This has been Reconciling Grace. If you have a comment or a question for our panel, or if you would like to invite one or more of our panelists to share with your church or group, please send an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. And thank you for listening to Reconciling Grace. Reconciling Grace.